What's up? It's Lex and Stacy, recent podcast number 120. And today we're going to talk about Stacy's little TV show she loves. The <laughs> OA. Yes. Which I almost start which I almost started to watch uh, over Christmas. You have to. And I I really didn't get the gist of what it was about and and so I'm really glad you're going to do this and and explain it cuz uh, I just wasn't in the frame of mind to go through the process because I was already in the middle of a couple of shows, so I had to finish those out. But uh, what's up? What is this? What is OA? First of all, the season is eight episodes long, like roughly an hour each episode. Which is nice. Yes. So Uh, if you you are a binge watcher, you could really, you could either do it on a Saturday and get the whole season done, or you could do it two nights and just really power through it. I think eight episodes is perfect. Walking Dead does eight episodes in their half seasons. Um, There was a show on HBO called The Night, which uh, was about this guy mistakenly, uh, mistakenly being framed for a murder. And you know, taking his dad's cab, and they they go they you see that the first night, and then they go back through the process to see what really happened, and everything is really good. Oh, okay. And it was eight episodes, and I think that's perfect. When it gets to be twelve, thirteen, fourteen, it's like Jesus Christ. Yeah, but if it's a good show, sometimes it's worth it. For instance, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> oh God, you too. I love Buffy. Oh my God! I'm so Team Spike. I love Spike. Even though we tried raping her, I love Spike. Yeah, that's Lisa's uh, jam too. She loves that show. It's it's pretty magnificent. And I think you guys are close to the same age. I think that was like the most huge show on TV when you guys were in your zenith. <laughs> Me, I thought I was fucking 20s. stupid. I was much more sophisticated to deal with such things. Of course, you were looking at porn that had butt sex at the end. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love how your phone accentuates things. No, that wasn't that wasn't my phone. Oh. Oh no. That was your phone. <laughs> Oops. It yeah. was. Apparently I didn't put it on vibrate. Sorry. Apparently not. Well, one of our phones is punctuating things for you, so be happy. Yeah. I like it. Anyway, the OA, it um, is a very, it first, I didn't, <laughs> it takes place in Michigan, so yay bonus. Um, it starts out, like the first episode you might think is a little slow, but it sucks you in, I think, pretty quick. Yeah, it's I think that's weird. why I bailed. It was because like the first 15 or 20 minutes was, I, I, I was like, I can't deal. I'm, I'm into two other things, and I, I can see this is going to take more of my time, so I, I I bailed, but go ahead. It's it's well worth it. Um, I I noticed it seemed to have this weird European feel. It, it's almost like they brought Europeans over and filmed it, you know, in Michigan kind of thing. There's there's kind of a an off kilter feel to it that is not super bad. I don't know. I, I, I it's just really good. It's otherworldly. There were three parts in it that made me cry really really hard. 
Now, what's the story? What's the setup? What what's going on in Michigan? You know, instead of just more fucked up shit that you people do. <laughs> Michigan's awesome. It's the best state in the union. Um, yeah, I saw that in the Florida State game. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Look pretty. Anyway. Look pretty damn good. <laughs> I really didn't care. You know, you know how much I hate Florida State. So, and yes. I, I was actually pulling for you guys. Yay! But you disappointed me. Big fat goose egg. Yeah. Um, I don't care for them much either. You know, uh, people in Michigan, not at all. Well, Gator fans, you know, think Urban Meyer staged his whole health thing and all that stuff so he could get out of his deal. And, you know, his sentence was a year at ESPN. And, oh, whoops, there's the Ohio State job. One of the teams you beat to win one of your national championships. How interesting. <laughs> but anyway, we're getting off uh, track here, like we anyway, always this, do. This girl appears. It, it starts out, um, she's running down this bridge in traffic, and she's trying to jump off the bridge, um, you think, to commit suicide. And so then she's taken to a hospital, and her family shows up, and basically she has been missing for the last seven years. Oh, cool. And then there's another surprise. I don't want to give out too many spoilers, okay. but there. There, there's a, a surprise with her return, and so then it turns into she was kept someplace, and you're trying to figure out if she's crazy, you know, if she's made this all up in her head, that maybe she did go through a trauma, but she maybe just made all this up in her head to survive kind of thing. Um, but there are others that she's trying to get back to because she was, she got free and she's very guilty, and she's trying to go back to the people that she was held captive with. Oh, wow. But there is an otherworldly aspect to it. A lot of near-death experience type stuff. Wow. That sounds pretty it cool. It really is. It is, actually. Honestly, I know I'm not doing it any justice because I'm trying not to give away too much. Yeah. Um, because I feel it's a show that you really need to discover and have things happen as you're watching it but i i will i will tell people on your behalf you can trust stacy on a show recommendation she she definitely knows her shit it's it's really good neither one of us will steer you to something that sucks no of course lex still has to watch true romance so that he can tell me whether i was right or wrong even though i know i'm right you will love this movie. yeah i'm sure i'll be fine with it i've tried believe me We'll keep trying. It's not on iTunes. It's Just not on Walmart. And look in the bargain bin for. $5. I don't have anything to play it on. I'm digital, man. Oh man. We were talking about this on the air this morning about my record collection that I gave away without any hesitation whatsoever. As soon as I could have one thing with all my music on it. And I had a really good friend of mine that didn't make much money. He was a postal worker his whole life, knew everything about every band from 1955 till now, still does. And he and I met at my warehouse one day, and I threw him the keys and said, everything in there is vinyl, and it's yours. Wow, that is a really nice gesture of yours. 
looking at what vinyl costs today and what some of the things in there were, like test pressings of U2 uh, Boy and U2 War and a bunch of other things, there's probably was about a half million dollars worth of records in there. Uh, wow. So daddy's getting a new pair of shoes is what your friend said. Um, I, you know, he's so genuinely into it and, you know, he, I knew he wouldn't sell it and, and, and make money off of it and stuff like that. I, I, I just knew he would take care of it and he has, and he sent me pictures of, <laughs> of his record collection and he you said, know, all you have to do is take a whole bunch of pictures and then just over the course of several years, send them periodically and say, hey, look, it's still here. Because it's not like you're keeping a person in your basement. Yeah, I don't I don't care at this at this point. It's 20 years later or 15 oh, okay. years later, you know, so, you know, it, it's I'm cool with it. It doesn't bother me. See, my last radio station I worked at, they had um, and it was from a long time ago. I mean, I, I remember when I worked there a long, long time ago, because I worked there twice, um, this record collection, you know, very similar, because it used to be a classic rock station for years and years and years. And it was just this pretty spectacular album collection. Yeah. And obviously, nothing is played on album anymore. So it was in the basement of this building. And that was like one of the first thing when the owners, the new owners came in and bought it up. You know, these these douchebags in South Carolina who are, like, buying all small media yeah. in Michigan, just sucking all that money. It just uh -huh. pisses me off. But anyway, that was, like, one of the first things they did was went, and they just completely gutted that collection. Yep. That's and, how people suck. And uh, it's okay, because it filters its way back to the true people that enjoy it. I, I truly believe that. They, yeah, they make some money off of regenerating it and reselling it, but it, in the end, it ends up where it's supposed to. I hope so. And, and that's why I never had a second thought about it. And, and, and I, it was funny. When I left uh, my marriage, it's the first thing I thought about. I just went, thank God I got rid of that. <laughs> right. Thank God. Because, you know. Can you imagine getting that picture of all of them in the middle of your backyard burning? <laughs> and they're in pieces. Oh man! <laughs> I mean, I've already, you know. Oh, never mind. I just. Oh, what? That's got a tangent written all over it that I don't want to go down. <laughs> we'll just say, and we won't tangentialize it. No, it's no, it's just. Uh, you know, it, you'd get sick at your stomach if I told you what's happened to some of my stuff. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because you had all those gold records and things. and I got the ones that actually I deserved, that I actually worked, either played the record or I actually worked it. Like the Black Crows. Yes. Uh, so I, not, that was very important to me for some reason. The rest of them I could take or leave. So, you know, that that's good. I felt that way. <laughs> so sorry. I'm so sorry. But I also I also understand that's a way to lash out at somebody, you know. So it, it's all good. I, I get it. I do. 
but I don't know. I just uh, have a more practical approach, I guess. It's probably the healthiest thing for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I just have an ability to leave things behind that are going to hold me from moving on. It's kind of like the way I look dogs. at it. Yeah, that was tough. Is the dog still alive? Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. So she didn't do to the dog what she did to your other things. Oh, no, no. She she loved, She's an animal lover. You okay, know. good. Good. No, all her stuff and her animals, <laughs> all her stuff's good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My stuff, you know, I got what I could, and the rest of it I wasn't even worth getting. <laughs> hey, watch the OA, folks, what, if you've what, got Netflix. Welcome so to the it. welcome to the world of divorce, man. That's just what it is. You know, if you don't think I had that talk with myself, that you better be willing to leave your shit. You know, it, what, what's more important to you? You know, it, it, in the end, that's the talk you have to have with yourself. These are just things. Years ago, this was before I was born, um, my grandma and grandpa's garage caught on fire, which was attached to the house. And um, it's kind of a, a family legend story now kind of thing um, that a neighbor came running to my uncle's house because they live close by and said, I think your mom's house is on fire. So my uncle and aunt went running down to grandma's house and the men were all, you know, getting together and the men are fighting this garage fire. And my aunt goes into the house. Now, keep in mind, this isn't a big farmhouse. This is like a little ranch style cottage house. So the fire is very close <laughs> to mm -hmm. the living spot. And she, my aunt walks into the house to get my grandma to get her out of the house. And grandma is sitting on the couch She's got her coat on and stuff, and sitting in her lap is every photograph that she's ever, you know, this was, you know, in the 60s, so these yeah. are old photos. She has every photograph. And my aunt's like, you know, Mom, come on, you, you need to get out of the house. And she's like, oh, but the, the men are here. So Grandma got up and went into the kitchen, which is literally on the other side of the yeah. wall from the, the fire, and made <laughs> coffee. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was like that's a farm lady right there. That's that's, that's very indicative of Lisa's mother. That I could so see her doing those two things. <laughs> but again, this was the '60s. There, you know, was nothing digital, so everything was hard copy. If those photos had been lost, they yeah. would have been lost. You know. So yeah, I mean, I was like, I got Spotify. I'm good. You know, it's except, you know, it pisses me off that they don't put journey feeling that way. And any time together. Yes. Does do these people not know that you, you are supposed to play those two together mm -hmm. oh, and, and a host of other things yes. as well? Because that's like my journey jam. That is my guilty pleasure. If I'm going to listen to a journey song or songs, it would be feeling that way anytime. Well, I mean, you know, even if you want to listen to Dark Side of the Moon or something like that, you know, they, they need to do something on the app to make it sequential or, or give a, you giving you the option to, you know, pair those songs up. Right. You know, there, there needs to be an algorithm of, of those songs that had two parts to them. 
<laughs> I saw a meme years ago of some dorky high school boy, and it says, smoked pot for the first time. Listen to Pink Floyd on shuffle, or <laughs> Dark Side on shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> it was just stupid, but... <laughs> <coughs> Bless you. I'm going to have three or four more. Achoo, achoo. <coughs> Bless you. Damn it. Wait, here comes more. No. Look at the light. Look at the light. Look it up at the light bulb. It's not working. Look, 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 look at the light. <laughs> oh, God. I think Lex blew an O-ring with that one. <laughs> oh, God. alive? Okay, yeah. good. I've been doing that That's like my... crazy for like three weeks. You know, has it been cold there? I think it's yeah. dry. I think it's very dry. Yeah, it is. And today is very cold. 16 degrees yeah, is the th- high today. I think we're in the mid-20s, low-20s, something like that. It's it's cold. It is 13 degrees right now oh, in okay. Michigan. So it basically hurts to breathe. Yes. Yeah. We have uh, an affiliate in Fargo, South Dakota. North Dakota, I'm sorry. And the Snapchats, 15 below, 18 below, 22 below. I'm like, oh, my God. I don't even know what that feels like. Two winters ago, we had a night um, that hit 40 below, and that was actual temperature, not wind chill. I've never experienced anything like that. That is not normal Michigan stuff. Now, what's that feel like? I went outside for about two minutes. I did bundle up and stuff. It was... You know, I wasn't out there long enough. I I don't know. It was just really still, and and I don't know. It, it was just cold. It was very cold. Also, the power went out. <laughs> oh. That only happens then. Um, but we have a kerosene heater, thank God. Um, it did get down to like fifty in the house. We were wearing coats and hats yeah. and things. Um, one pipe froze, but didn't break or anything. We really, really lucked out. Wow. But the next morning, like the donkeys, oh, their faces, their whiskers oh. were all frozen and everything. Oh. We had piled up um, their their house. You know, they they had like five feet of hay or for straw. And yeah. they could literally burrow in and be underneath. So we did everything we could. You know, they were out of the wind and all yeah. that stuff. So everyone lived. No one had any bits frozen or anything. You can only do what you can do, you know, but... Oh my God! It was there was a phenomenon that I did not know about because um, it it didn't. There were cold nights prior to that, just nothing that hit that low. Um, I kept hearing these loud booms, but really close to the house. In fact, two happened right under the kitchen window, and I kept it sounded like if a transformer blew. Yeah. But they were really close. And so I would get up and I'd look out the window and everything. And I, I finally, I mentioned to my mom, I keep hearing these booms. And she said, oh, they addressed that on the news tonight. The earth is freezing so much deeper than normal and so much faster because of this cold. That's actually the earth making that sound. Wow. Because people had been calling the TV stations and police and things wanting to know what these booms were. And it was the earth. <laughs> Just your Super. daily reminder how Mother Nature can crush your little fucking frail ass whenever she feels like it. Yes. Absolutely. Can just bring you to your fucking knees anytime she pleases. 
But you know, it was amazing to me that that my donkeys and goats did live. I mean, they were outside. You're not supposed to shut any critters up and we don't have any doors on their barns anyway. Um, we just gave them so much straw that they could actually go under and burrow if they wanted to, even the donkeys. Um, but they lived and that just wowed me. I was so happy. I, I was fretting so much about them. I, I didn't know what to do. For yeah. Then if you're an animal lover and you know, they're out there and that, you're you want to bring them in the house you like don't even care but you can't (laughs) but you know it's just you know the the earth is so you know people don't respect it enough yeah only only somebody like you or somebody that's been brought to you know see what it can do you know, like like I have with hurricanes and tornadoes and stuff like that. You know, it, unless you've experienced that, you uh, you pretty much are oblivious. I had a friend of mine uh, back in Jacksonville. This is like in the mid to late '80s, and he uh, started booking concerts, and. He did like two or three, you know, and it was stuff like Molly Hatchet and, you know, yes. who at the time was on their way down, you know, and uh, and, and bands like that. So he, he was making some good money, but I'm like, hey, man, you, you sure you know what you're doing? He's like, yeah, man, I got this, man. I'm killing. I, I'm, I'm making money like crazy. And I'm like, okay. Well, he books a concert. And we get a hurricane. Uh. And, of course, he goes belly up. And I said, uh, so you didn't get, like, event insurance? He goes, they want, like, $1,000 for that. <laughs> I said, would you pay it now? <laughs> I'm not laughing at him, but yeah. yeah. I said, there really was insurance for something like that, and you didn't buy it? Are you fucking crazy? I said, that's the cost of doing business, bro. Right. You know, and you know, Samantha was telling me she wants to get into eventing, you know, like the, the DJ rave party, you know, putting those on, and, you know, because the overhead's low, the, the margins are pretty fat. But... <coughs> Make it, her watch that Macaulay Culkin... Seth Green movie. What's it called? Monsters or something. Well, I, I just told her. I said, uh, my three years in the music business are the most valuable part of my career in the experience department. Right. I said, it runs ass backwards from every other business I've ever seen. Everything pays up front and you take all the risks. And there are numerous things that can happen to you that makes it so you lose your money. Right. So you almost have to be like a poker player or a gambler that's really good at it, you know, that, that, that can negotiate the waters of the ebb and flow of that business because if you're just some careless booking machine, you're going to get fucked. Right. So... My suggestion to her was get a get a job with Live Nation or somebody like that, and cellar door and and or whoever you know. I'm sure they've been bought up by. Aren't they Clear Channel now? 
I think Live Nation is. I think I, Live Nation may have bought the concert industry away from iHeart. I'm not sure. I'm not sure okay. which way it went. Because that was like a big. I I know that was a big deal because people were crying Monopoly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, everybody was wanting to sell to them because right. they were paying exorbitant money and if you're if you're a concert promoter that has you know rode and died by you know all the things we just talked about all those years and here's a big fat payoff to go away it's like or in some cases here's a big fat payoff and we still want you to work for us right you know which is the case most of the time when you get taken up by somebody you got to do two or three years of you you know the person who built the business and uh you know before you can walk away but uh yeah i think it's pretty much a monopoly for the most part well i know back then when when iheart say i'm not used to saying that but clear channel whoever they had gotten their some sort of concert promotion thing going and then of course you know they had all of their their stations in like every market in the country and people were complaining that they would bring these concerts in and then would only obviously let their stations deal with the concerts. So if you well, brought you two in, whichever clear channel station that was closest to playing a U2 song would get to have that concert. Yeah, and but as other radio stations found out, wasn't that big a deal in the form of ratings because people meters started and all that branding and all that stuff didn't mean jack shit. You know, because it comes down to what's that thing hearing when you're around something that's putting out some code. You know, like uh, here in Dallas, we, uh, you know, it's like we were waiting to see where our place in the pecking order was based on how the meters fell. Right. They gave out 1,200 meters for a 5.5 million person market. Oh. So those 1,200 people pretty much had everybody's balls in their hands. And, you know, you get your first reading and you go from like, we we went from like second to 15th. Oh, no. K-Love, which is a, you know, plays stuff like Diary by Bread and shit like that. You know, it's basically <laughs> old lady, went number one men. Weird. No, it's not weird because... If a guy and a woman are hanging out in the morning, um, you know, here's a guy that's on his BlackBerry or whatever. You know, he's getting ready to go to work. He's probably, probably not even in the car yet. You know, and on his way to work, and she's got the radio on. Right. Well, that's what it's what he's hearing. It's not what he's listening to. Exactly. Yeah, if and, you go to the you know the doctor and you're sitting there in the reception area, you have no control over whatever godforsaken country music station they're playing. <laughs> and you know, so all these all these guys started scrambling programming wise, you know, and we had we had some guy come in and he's like, you know, you're gonna have to play some music in your show or you know, you're you're pretty much done in people meter markets. Well, that turned out not to be true. Good. Good. Everything kind of once they got every their shit together a little bit, everything kind of went back to where it was supposed to. 
Do you feel that that's better than Arbitron? No, because I think the soul and branding of radio stations is part of what makes people like them. And people meter can't pick that up, your emotion, about a product. Right. But the diary can. The snarky one-liners between songs but, on you know, rock radio station versus yeah. mom's channel. <laughs> but you know what? It's also kind of unfair in the diary way, too, You because know, some guy could be a Lex and Terry fan, and his girlfriend could have the, the chick station on all morning long that morning, and he's going to write down that he listened to us like he does every day, even though he may right. not have. I mean, it works both ways. Right. There, there isn't a to, – to me, Arbitron doesn't want to cross the line and do what we all really want them to do, and that is put an app on all of our phones. Right. Now, see, from a TV standpoint, and, and DirecTV, for instance, if you've got a DirecTV box, I mean, if you've got DirecTV, they know everything that you watch. They know if you've recorded it and you watch it li- later versus whether you watch it live and actually are forced to watch the commercials. They know when you fast forward through a commercial. They know when you don't fast forward through a commercial. They know everything that you do. I would think that DirecTV's internal ratings, and I don't know if they share that with anyone outside of DirecTV, um, I would have to think that they're pretty accurate since they know all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know... I don't know if they put it on every box, though. Oh, I think every box, I I think that each box collects everything that you do, not necessarily your name. You know, I'm not saying like a total breach of privacy. No, just your, just the data. Yes. I, 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 why wouldn't it be? I mean, it would be silly to not have it on everyone. Yeah, I'm sure it takes trending of people through commercials or whatever. Say, yeah, 75% of our people fast forward through shows or whatever. They they can I mean you've seen after like the Super Bowl and stuff you'll see occasionally a story about this was the commercial most rewound and watched again. That's coming from Directv and yeah. I'm sure you know Comcast whoever else has stuff the eight you know the 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 thing like what Directv has. Well, I mean I mean when you see news stories like this weekend's game between Houston and the Raiders, but both with backup quarterbacks that have never played before barely. You know, because the the starter got hurt. Uh, ESPN says they're going to lose seventy five million dollars on that game because people weren't going to give a shit about it because neither one of those teams has a chance. Right after that game, I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure they have a chance, but it's a very small one. Lions are in. <laughs> yeah, but they four horsemen are riding, folks. Yeah, prepare yourselves. They're in. They're in the playoffs. But they, they will lose. they're probably going to go to the most hostile playoff environment there is, and that's Seattle. You think so? That's a, that's a really hard place to win in. A, a lot of team, the best teams in the NFL go in there and lose on a regular basis. That, that place is just, it, it makes the Seahawks play beyond their abilities, and it makes other teams just you know overwhelmed the way well, that the, sta- the way that stadium this. the way that stadium's built it, it's so fucking loud in there i mean it, it's like 10 decibels louder than any other stadium really yeah and then they don't know why but it is 
Is it the ocean? <laughs> no, it's, it's it actually looks like it has a lot of openings to it for sound to escape. So it's really weird. But it is fucking loud in there. They talk about it all the time. The guys that do the games, you know, the first thing they usually bring up is the difference in decibels between there and other cities. You know, even even the big cities, the the Green Bay's, the the Patriots, you know, Dallas. Uh, you would think the Dallas Stadium would be deafening. It's not. You know, I mean, it's indoors. It's you know encased. It's you know the, the seats are up high and right against the field and everything. You would you would think it's just would be deafening in there, but it's not too bad. I've been to a game there. Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, you know, gets pretty loud, but nothing like Seattle does. See, now when the Pontiac Silverdome was still up and going and everything. That had, I, that had a history of being loud. When when they had the uh, Eric Kramer, um, Eric Hipple years and all that, yeah. and the team was pretty good, um, that place had a reputation for being very hard to play in. See, I saw Paul McCartney there years ago, and the acoustics were so bad. I've never been able to figure this out. I couldn't, it, the, the, it was like everything was echoing all the time. And so I couldn't hear or understand any of the words to anything he was playing. Oh, it, man. It, it, was, it was so disappointing, except for Hey Jude. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, oh, I saw, I think I saw off. that same tour. And it was just like, nah, 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 nah. Oh, and all the, everyone's got the I actually saw out. the tour where they isolated Linda. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Poor Linda. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> but then, see, I saw Pink Floyd there, and it was perfect. See, I saw Pink Floyd in Tampa on a 70-degree night. Which baked which out of my place? fucking mind. Hit of acid. It's awesome. <laughs> I was on acid too. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and it was and it was perfect acid. It wasn't like too much. It was just just right. It was the best trip of. My and when life. that burning bed went over my head, I was like, <laughs> "Whoa!" <laughs> and they went into great gig in the sky, you know, with with a powerful black chick singing in the back and everything i was like i was like chills it was amazing yeah it was, it was just fucking amazing it is it, it was it was come. a godlike music experience a visual a visual music experience it was amazing yes it was i mean when i think I, about i am sad that other people didn't get to experience something like that you know and since i've seen so many things in my career and stuff like that that i've been privy to people always ask me you know what's like your top your best and i and that one always comes to mind and i was just a consumer on that one you know i i actually i was in the radio business but i didn't get tickets so i paid my own way i did too and uh two dollars and fifty cents isn't that hilarious yeah and that that same week in detroit the eagles came and their tickets this was in back in 1994 the summer of 94 i paid 32.50 for my my pink floyd tickets and the eagles tickets were like 115 each yeah yeah and then we were somewhere in the middle of the field middle to front It, it was it was a perfect place to see you know we were like right in front of the soundboard and and it was uh it was just an amazing experience it really was and i uh i guess uh 
the other one is that just because of the cool factor was I saw Nirvana's showcase in Los Angeles. 50 people. That's pretty cool. But I didn't know what I was seeing at the time. I know. Doesn't that suck? I, but but I do remember my feeling of it, which is cool, because you know we we were embedded in Hairband City, and I I remember how refreshed I was that something like that was coming out. And I can remember the first time I, I heard Smells Like Teen yeah. Spirit on the radio, and just sitting there and like listening and going, "This is so not Hairband. This is amazing." Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was game changing. I mean, it's funny now because it's so it's so there that nobody, you know, that the kiddies today don't understand. When when that song came out, you had never heard anything like that before. It, it, it was it was just fucking game changing. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And, and I remember looking at the girls in the, in the office uh, that I worked with, watching him, and and the guys in the office, both all of us were just fixated on him. There was something about him. That was just, you know, the it factor. Yeah. And he was very humble and very, he's like, hey, thanks for taking time out of your Friday nights. You know, we're Nirvana. We're from Seattle. You know, thanks for coming out. You know, we're, I was like, okay. And, and we were all, you know, jaded music industry people and all that stuff. But man, with that first fucking note of Teen Spirit hit, it was like, boom. <laughs> Oh, I miss and, the and then, 90s and so then, much. And then watching the girls, you know, when we all went out for dinner and drinks afterwards, just, you know, it was like wet panty city for this guy. He was so cute. Not like hot, but just, I don't know. I mean, there, there was, he was just cute. And for like, unassuming. And for like six know? months afterwards, they all started coming through. I, I saw Soundgarden. I saw Alice in Chains, Screaming Trees. Uh, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. Pearl Jam. And a Pearl Jam. I, I saw them all. And, and you know, it wasn't a big deal because they, they, all, they all had to come out in order for it to become an era. You know, yep. so, so as each one was coming along, you know, I, nobody knew it was the grunge era yet. It was just new bands. That sounded right. different than the stuff we were used to working. I, I was at dinner with Lane Staley. <laughs> That's not rat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm at dinner with Alice in Chains, with and I, and and we're just. I was like, I I'd so rather be doing blow in my apartment right now, you know. <laughs> Lex. Just <laughs> saying. You know, but I ended up sitting next to Lane Staley. We started talking about our last name and all that stuff and where all his family was and all mine was. And we started theorizing how it got that way, you know, with the names and everything. And he was cool. He was cool as shit. I had no idea he was going to end up drugged out and die and all that stuff. He didn't he didn't have that going at all. You know, that makes me sad in. Obviously, and, and, his death. And, I wish he hadn't died. And my theory but, is that I don't think any of these guys thought they, that that was going to become what it did. I don't think they no. could. I don't think they could handle what it became. How it went from zero to a hundred in six months. I think people were so burned out. I mean, we had what close to ten full years of hair bands. Yes. You know, Quiet and, uh, Riot was like in 1982. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 
There's only there's only so many production values and things you can do with that sound. Yeah. And yeah. there's only so many skin tight latex spandex yeah. sparkly outfits you can wear with your glam eyeshadow and poofy hair. Yeah, and and I was I was like kind of done with it. Yes. You know, I Sebastian Bach, he had that long straight hair. I mean, I re- I remember when we got the premiere of uh, Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. And, you know, I remember the celebration, champagne, alcohol blow and all that in the office that we snagged that. And we were going to get to produce it and do it. And all I could think of was, oh, my God, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get any sleep. I'm going to be working my fucking ass off. I, I, I mean, I didn't give a shit. You know, and I, I was up 36 hours running line and talking to affiliates and fucking sponsors and you know it's like my my hands were in every pot of those productions and and uh the bass player what's his fucking name uh for guns and roses duff Duff. yeah sticks his hand he goes hey he goes i'm out of alcohol you need to go get me some fucking whiskey and I had been up for 36 hours. I said, we're going on the air nationally on 250 stations in 22 minutes, so I'm not going to the fucking liquor store to get you whiskey. And besides, we don't need you. We got Axel and Slash. They're pretty much the star of the band. <laughs> I said, I think the term is you're just the bass player. It's very important. He goes rhythm thing. He goes. He goes. You're you're gonna be so fucking fired, dude. I'm like, dude. I've been up for 36 hours. I really don't care. It was near the. It was near the end of my tenure out there. I mean, I was like, I, I was so ready to go back to radio. I, I was just, I was just telling them all to fuck off. And Good. and and then a lot of it stemmed from I was just done with that style of music and right. But now, of course, a Guns and Roses song sounds amazing to me. I have fond memories of Appetite for Destruction just yeah. because, you know, I was in high school. That was just that, you know, that carefree, happy time of your life when you're just cruising around with your friends in a car singing Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah, of well, I mean, lungs. you know, later on, um, I'm Duff came and we interviewed him. And, uh, of course, he was clean. And he's like, I'm so sorry, man. I've, he goes, I've had to tell so many people sorry, you know. <laughs> And, and, and when CC did the same thing. Yeah, and I and I I really love him now. He's a really nice guy, and we have him on every now and again. But you know, he uh, he was talking about that album in particular, and he said the pressure to deliver something beyond Appetite for Destruction was big. You know, like like they and were. That is too bad. And and he said he said had people not gotten in our heads. He goes, we've talked about it. He goes, we'd all love, he goes, because I love those songs. He goes, but he goes, we left some songs off of that that I don't think we should have, that were very appetite for destruction sounding. And he he goes, I'd love to go back and do a redo on that, you know, with, with me being sober. And and, then, and I went, I went, no, wait a minute. Let's not get crazy. You know, that, that there is that 
if factor in there of having a buzz and being in that state of mind that is part of the creative process. So, you know, you don't want to sterilize it. (laughs) Right. uh, He um, it was interesting to hear him say it because, you know, once again, it's somebody else controlling your destiny. Right. When you've just had the biggest rock album of the 80s and you really have the ability to say, get the fuck out of here. Get out of our studio. Everyone you know? wants a piece of it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, PDs with Terry and I, when we started exploding, you know, have you ever thought about doing? No, we don't think. That's why we're good. We just do the fucking show and we have chemistry and it works and you really shouldn't fuck with it. <laughs> Plus, we think you're stupid. <laughs> and we're kind of assholes right now at this point in our yeah. lives. But we'll, we'll be, Yeah, we'll and we're going to apologize for our behavior as well <laughs> the years down the road. But right now, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> we were out of control at one point. Give I had me fo- some whiskey and blood. Yeah, I, was, I, I, was, I, I mean, I, I wasn't high or drunk, but, but there was... There, I think there was an egotistical moment for a year there where we were out of control. The uh, the the flash moment for both of us was when we were playing video games um, after the show one day, and the COO of the com- COO and the CEO of the company came in, and we didn't even get up out of our chairs. And we kept playing. <laughs> now, to your credit, I've, you know, certainly been privy to you two playing your games. You're really into it. Yeah. And we were. Yeah. yeah. Way too into that? it. Do you miss playing with Terry? Yeah. Good. That's sweet. That yeah, listen, we we uh we have this you know relationship that nobody else is privy to we don't even really know what it is we just know it works you know we're nothing like each other at all i mean all about the fucking yeah from a i guess from an audio standpoint i guess it is i don't know but it's uh it's still good you know, I and mean, it's great. I meant like actually playing video games. Do you miss like after the show going yeah. into, you know, the little tiny stuffy office and you two just throwing your feet up? I miss it because it was a great creative environment, you know, because Scott would be there. Um, Peter, you know, I mean, we the idea, the ideas coming out of that room, you know, D, everybody was just insane. Right. You know, I mean, it was a really creative era for the show. And, uh, and, you know, and, and I'll admit. And it was just funny. And I'll Again, ad- it was that room when you had gone to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Through every phone in the building. Legs. Yep. <laughs> Legs. <laughs> <laughs> and people are shutting their doors because they don't want Mark to hear him laughing. <laughs> we, were, we were so out of control. <laughs> And I can hear you as you're coming out of the bathroom across the building, laughing as you're hearing yeah. it. But I, but I'll, I, I'm going to give us credit for one thing, and that is we uh, we had the cockiness before we had the ratings. Because I remember the owner of the station when we were like six months old, 
at that point, we knew we were good. We knew the show was good. But Arbitron takes a year to establish a show. Yes. So ratings are still coming off the printer monthly, and they're not there yet. And we were walking down the hall, and the owner of the station was in town, and he was standing at the at the printer personally looking at the ratings. And he turns around, and he sees us. We see them, and uh, I, I just looked at him. I said, yeah, sorry. Um, you know, we'll get there. It's, it, things are good. He goes, you're about out of sorries, mister. And Terry goes, hey, Lex, you got any saries? Apparently, uh, <laughs> apparently we were, yeah. <laughs> and we're like patting our t- pants like, oh, I got no sorries. Yeah, me either. And so he goes, he goes, that's funny. Maybe you need to be that funny on the air. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Yeah. That's a funny owner right there. <laughs> and, I, uh, and I went, yes, sir. <laughs> and kept walking. <laughs> and just turned the corner. It's like, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> you know. know, that is one thing about radio that, like, people with your normal desk job, yes, anyone can get fired. Anyone can get laid off, all that. But in radio, there is truly that moment when you you could at any moment walk into work one day and find out they've changed yeah. the format. and pick your stuff up and go because they've been hiding it for six months yeah and, you, and then you're just pissed ex- expect the unexpected to this day yeah. to this day expect the unexpected i mean we've had total devastation like twice during our career and have somehow like cockroaches <laughs> stayed around <laughs> He's the Keith Richards and, of radio guys. And, yeah, now we're now we're about to go on this third huge run. You know, we we've nailed two new affiliates right out of the box this year, and oh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it, it, you can feel the same vibe we have felt twice before when when we went on big affiliate runs. You know, good. And uh, so so it's like a very exciting time. But it's like I was telling you before we sat down and started doing this. I I, I my professional life is on fire. My personal life is has some pitfalls and stuff going on you know nothing nothing as far as emotionally it's you know semantics of financially and things like that that i've had to overcome you know i'm eating i'm sleeping i have a roof over my head so i'm happy you know my car is paid for that stuff but you know it's just you know thinking you're out of the you know the the pitfalls of coming out of a divorce and stuff like that, and then big expense, big expense. You know this, that, whatever, and you're like right back where you started. Right. You know, so you know, I, I promised myself six months ago that I am going to sell it out till I keel over somewhere, and we. That hard work the last half of the year is starting to pay off in spades. And, you know, it's so it's like a really hopeful time and and big time right now. And the show sounds amazing and it's all good stuff, man. But, you know, it's like you uh, you get your paycheck and you pay all your bills and you got money left over. You know, you're not existing. You're actually getting to live, you think. Right. And then 
$2,000 for this, $1,400 for this, $800 for this. And then it's like, okay, um, we have $600 to eat on for two months, for two weeks. <laughs> have fun with that. Yeah. Your bills are paid, but that's the conversations you have to have, you know? You know, technically, you can live on ramen. Yeah. It will sustain you for two weeks. Yeah. I mean, we've done it. Occasionally, a can of green beans to get a little variety in your diet. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, uh, Stouffer's Grandma Bake? Come on. <laughs> I've never had that. Oh, God. eight ninety nine a day? And it's amazing. It's got, like, crumbly stuff on the top of it, and it's got chicken and vegetables, and it's, like, real comfort food. You know, it has pasta in it and all that. It's Yummy. just... Yeah. And, and, and the composition of it's kind of like chicken and mushroom or... or <laughs> cream of chicken campbell's cream of chicken soup with a bunch of meat and vegetables in it with 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 a crusty top it's basically what it is (laughs) but it's amazing it's like the greatest comfort food ever and and we've we've eaten it five days in a row before good i think we did monday tuesday grandma bake wednesday lasagna grandma bake grandma bake new paycheck yeah yeah But it's been like We've a, all been there. It's been, yeah, but it's been like a hamster wheel since the divorce, like that. And I and I have to have that phone call once a month with somebody that next month is your month. I had to pay somebody else this month. Hey, you know that type of deal. Yes. You know, because the thing that sucks about making a lot of money and losing it isn't the losing of the money it's the dissolving of the stuff that came with having money right you don't even realize <clears throat> you, you you think when you see like movies and stuff where people lose everything you know you just okay it's gone we'll start over but no you, there's a boat anchor of crap that you have to rectify before you can move on and in my case it's taken almost three years to get through it you know it's like like i said you know we uh we're actually having months where we don't just exist you know we're where we're actually getting to do some things good you know so it's uh it's good but jesus christ <laughs> i understand sweetie. yeah you know it's like and people are like dude you know i know you make money i said yeah i make great money but I got a I got a hole to fill in before I can enjoy it again. Right. You know, so it's it's in other words, it's not my money anymore until I fix this. I think you should put some sort of online counter up, a countdown if you will, until a time when you feel you'll have more money, Lex. <laughs> well, I know a guaranteed time when I'll have more money. So I could do that. You could. I could give it a fancy name like the Day of Reckoning or the End of My Alimony. Or something. <laughs> yes, that. Yeah. yeah. TikTok, TikTok. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, there's well over a thousand days before that's over. <laughs> but each day that you're alive, you're getting closer to that that light at the end of the tunnel. And it, and and in this situation is why i really love lisa 
because she she's the same no matter what it is. You know, she she's not needy. She doesn't throw shit in your face. You know, it, it's like, you know, it, it. if there's an elephant in the room, you know, like this sucks, you know, I'll, I'll say it and she'll just go. She's like, it's, it's fine, Lex. Well, that's cool. She goes, before you met me, this is how I lived. <laughs> check to check. <laughs> you know, it's no big deal for her. Right. You know, that's basically been her entire life. You know, and she enjoyed some success and a great job and had her own house and all that stuff. And, you know, after her divorce and her job went away and she had to give up her house and all that stuff. You know, so she gets it. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, I I, uh, I know there's got to be inner burn of why I'm in this position. But, you know, she keeps it to herself. And I love her for it. You know, it's... Well, technically, she's the reason you're in that situation. Not really. (laughs) I know. (laughs) People will say that. You know, but if it wasn't her, it'd be somebody else. She was just the first one that came along. She's that lucky gal. Well, I mean, <laughs> God, there's so right much place, I want. Right there's so much I want to say, but I don't know, we'll just end it here. We're already way over time anyway. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. Thank watch God. Watch the OA on Netflix. Uh, yeah, watch the OA. I will do the same, and uh, we'll see you next time on number one twenty one. Stacy, love you. Love you too, Lex. Bye.